The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Ball DFS Today podcast. I am your host, Mike Patria, joined by a special guest. He's special to us. He will be special to you very soon. He's already been contributing writing articles for us over here at Hoop Ball and the DFS team for quite some time. But Harris Kermani is now making his podcast debut with us as well. Super excited. Couldn't imagine a better slate just to throw the new guy in. Uh, then a 15-game last last regular season game uh, game or day. Uh, I, I imagine you're ready to go, man. You must be fired up. But why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself, uh, kind of how you got started. And, I mean, we don't got time to waste, man. We got to jump into it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, 15 games just out of the kitchen into the fire, straight up. But, no, very excited to be on here. Great to have the opportunity to speak ball with the great guys at Hoop Ball. Uh, as far as my own journey, I mean, playing daily fantasy on and off for six to seven straight years running, just incredibly passionate about it, watch as much basketball as I can, can I get my hands on any opportunity I get to write and talk basketball, I'm there and I'm really excited to get going on this and let's do it. That's it, my man. That's it. Yeah, we got we got a lot to get into. We have two different slates to talk about. We have the five game, one o'clock, one p.m. Eastern Standard Time slate. So there's going to be five games and then the other 10 games, other 20 NBA teams. Uh, they'll be playing on the uh, the main card that starts at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, you know, we always give the uh, the little the little caveat, the fair warning, where it's just being realistic. And I try to be as transparent with people as possible. If you are not monitoring these games, if you are not following the news up until lineups lock, if you're not following the news as lineups lock and as other games get started, don't play today. It's just that simple. I don't mean it in a bad way. Uh, it's just you have to – you can't have one zero. It's going to be high-scoring lineups with all the value that's going to be available. You just have to be on top of everything. And if you are one of those people that are on top of everything, you could take advantage of those who aren't. So keep your eye on it. Monitor that news. Get into our Discord. Get into all that good stuff. Follow us. Shoot us the messages on Twitter, whatever it may be, to get your, get your day going and get you guys started. We're happy to help you. But before we jump into anything, quick shout-out to our presenting sponsor over at MyBookie. If you guys haven't already, head over there. Sign up. Use that promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, on your initial deposit, and you will receive a 50% deposit match on up to $1,000. So it's a free $500 if you put in $1,000. Free money to play with. You put in $100, they'll give you $50 for free. It's free money, whether you want to use it on some baseball bets, maybe you want to take advantage of some of these playing games coming up, or head over to their fully-fledged casino platform where you can do table games, slot machines, everything you see at your local casino, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So Guys, head over to my bookie. Use that promo code HoopBall. That is H O O P B A L L. All right, Harris, we got the first slate, first game. Charlotte Hornets traveling to the Washington Wizards. This is a 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. Charlotte Hornets on the second half of a back to back. No injury report yet to be released. And for the Wizards, Denny Avdija, Thomas Bryant, both ruled out. Bradley Beal has been upgraded to questionable. Rollo Neto is also questionable. And we have Thomas Bryant. I'm sorry. Uh, Garrison Matthews is probable. I already said Thomas Bryant. Nothing for the Hornets, as I said, but I'll pass it over to you. I'll let the new guy get the first crack at the Hornets in this up-tempo matchup. Who are you looking at, my friend? Yeah, absolutely. Charlotte is in one of those scenarios where both of these guys have just so much to play for as far as the game's concerned. So you know it's going to be one where they both absolutely want the win. That eighth seed is up for grabs, and you can go all the way down to 10th with an L. But as far as it goes down to Charlotte, there's two guys that I'm absolutely keying in on as what have been the focal points as far as the offense is concerned, as well as the capability to be able to put up points in bunches. First of all, that being LaMelo Ball, who of itself just been on an absolute tear throughout the season. Obviously had that injury that took him out for a couple of weeks, but you were seeing his minutes ramp up over and over over the last little while. And apart from the last 21-minute uh, game against the New York Knicks, he's been up above that 30-minute mark into that period, averaging about third, between 33 to 36 fantasy points in that. And in a matchup where he's going to be looking to really keep up with Russell Westbrook and really keep up with the pace that that's going to be there, for Charlotte to be successful, he's going to have to be incredibly important for that. 
and I look for an up-tempo game for him in which he's going to be able to put up stats across the board. Got about 39 fantasy points in the first matchup against them, and I expect that to be another opportunity for him to do the same. The other one is Miles Bridges, sitting at 6,900. Oh, by the way, LaMelo himself is sitting at 8,000, which is a depressed price value. Very excited to be able to keep that price point going for him. But Miles Bridges, on the other hand, as well, sitting at 6,900, which is actually below the salary that's been around his 72 to 7,300 average for the last 10 to 15 days that he's been playing. But he's just been on absolute and utter redemption season as far as this entire year has been concerned for him. And in the last 10 days, averaging nearly 47 fantasy points a game and just putting up numbers across the board. His capability to be able to not only get rebounds in an out-of-position situation for him, but also just be able to really knock down the three ball, which has been a huge boon to his game this entire season. I'm really looking forward to both of them putting up some big numbers tonight for the Hornets. Both of the guys I had circled and starred, my man. Yeah, absolutely. I think Bridges in his first game back, we saw that. He was uh, he was out for a couple of weeks with that COVID protocol. Came back against the Knicks. Didn't miss a beat. Uh, that's the thing. You know, this guy missed 14 days. Like you said, this game still has his competitive juices flowing. You'll hear us touch on that throughout the night. There's some of these games that are they're playing for nothing. Get ready for the backups. Uh, and then there's other games where guys are still playing for something a little bit. And this is one of those. So, you got to imagine Charlotte wants to get Bridges acclimated, get him back into the groove of things, uh, and they're going to let him shoot, and they're going to let him play. So I have no problems looking at Bridges. I'd probably prefer him over LaMelo ever so slightly, but both these guys, absolutely fantastic plays. You touched on LaMelo's upside, and it's always baked in there. He always has that triple-double upside. He always has the high steal upside. And we were talking about a matchup with very little paid protection, very little defense that gets played in up-paced tempo. It just increases the ever-so-likelihood that that happens. So... I have interest in both those guys. And looking at the other side of the ball, Russell Westbrook coming in at 13-1. <laughs> you know, people could argue, is it too expensive? It's not. It's not. <laughs> I've been I've been pounding this drum for probably the better half, about two and a half months. I don't think there's been a slate where I haven't played Russell Westbrook. As long as this dude's going to continue to put up 70, that's where he should be priced. This is the actual appropriate price. Now, I will have shares of him. I will have interest in him. I'm still not going to fade him in this. <laughs> but there's one guy that I did want to ask you about, and it's Bradley Beal coming in at 9K. He is questionable. There's a decent chance that if he does play in this, he may face some sort of re- uh, restrictions due to having a muscle injury as opposed to, you know, a finger. Uh, he was dealing with the hamstring strain. But there's also the narrative of the scoring title and it being on the line. And we heard Kent Bazemore, I believe, make <laughs> some take some jabs at Bradley Beal. Uh, one would think that if Beal's able to play, he's going to try to play. And there's that small narrative. So I'm going to keep I would probably still prefer Westbrook in my cash and maybe even my single entries. But in tournaments. I think I want some shares of Beal. I think I want a share or two. Uh, I, I will take the chance uh, knowing that he might only play 25 minutes. But if this dude's good to go and he can play 30-plus, I would imagine he's taking 30 shot attempts in this one and leaves it all out in the court. So both those guys very much in play. And I, I wouldn't even mind taking a shot at Davis Bertans. But we'd probably have to see Bradley Beal out. He drew the start in the last one, 4,200. I imagine he comes off the bench in this one, though, if Beal's able to play. So... Keep your eye on those situations and any sort of minute totals. And if they ever decide they want to give Gafford any more than 20 minutes, we'd play him, but we can't trust it. So I will pass. Fair. On the other hand, I probably would have a little bit of exposure as far as Daniel Gafford is concerned, just because the, uh, I mean, the price is low enough that it's not really too much of a floor problem. I mean, 3,400 pretty acceptable as far as what he could easily put up, even in 15 to 20 minutes, just from purely block totals. But as you say, there's a risk associated with it. And, the advantage we have of this match being the first one of the night is we can definitely keep track of what happens with Beal and the rest of the Washington uh, rotation before the game starts going. Absolutely. And, yeah, listen, Gafford on a normal slate, I would have no worries. I would have no, no, no concerns. We have every single team playing. We know <laughs> we're going to have value spread across the world tonight. You know, everybody's sitting. Where push comes to shove, I think we could probably find better values, I think, the way I look at it. Just because, you know, 20 minutes of Gafford or 35 minutes of uh, whoever else we're going to talk about, I'd probably take the 35 minutes. But next game, Indiana Pacers traveling to Toronto, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. Pacers on the second half of a back-to-back. Buckle up for the Raptors. OG, Rodney Hood, Kyle Lowry, (laughs) buckle up. Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Yuta Wontanabe, and Paul Watson all ruled out. And for the Pacers, I think it's pretty fair to assume that the same guys that have been out will continue to be out. That being, you know, Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner as some of the bigger names. But 
we'll have to keep an eye on some of these other guys like Karis LeVert. But I'll pass it over to you. We'll start off with this Pacers team. Demonis Sabonis could sit in this one. I mean, this is this is a lot that we're just going to have to wait and see. We saw Sabonis sit out on that Saturday game. It's hard to imagine that they want to throw him out here in the last game of the season. But what can we expect from this team? And I guess we'll do some caveats. I, I'm going to go and assume that a lot of these guys are going to be out. So, you know, don't take this with a grain of salt. This isn't written in stone or anything. We should have this news. It's one of the 1 o'clock games. But with Sabonis, I'll, I'll assume Sabonis, Brogdon, Turner, Aaron Holiday, and Sumner are all ruled out again. Uh, Jeremy Lamb, we could throw in there as either way. Probably doesn't make a bit of a difference to us. But if that's the case, I will 100% have interest at TJ McConnell at 6,400. I would 100% have interest in Brissett at 5,500. Those would be the two guys that I key in on first. Now, if Levert's playing uh, at 8,600 with all that usage, he's in play. But I think I'd probably opt to go somewhere else with some more stable games. But those are the two names that kind of pop off to me. I'll pass it over to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you're pretty much hitting the nail on the head there, especially with the uh, Sabonis news where you know, if he stays on out as far as uh, his game's concerned for Sunday, then not only does Levert come into play, yes, but between uh, TJ McConnell and Keelan Martin was the other one where I was going to be looking at uh, some potential value situation over here. Got his opportunity to play between uh, 26 to 27 minutes over the last two games for them, getting uh, a decent amount of shots from the outside, uh, getting 13 and 9 in the last two games, 6 and 5 of which were from the three-point line. And the best part is he has sneaky stocks capability. So for someone at 3,700 who racked up two blocks, three steals in his previous game, has pretty much gotten a block a game for the times that he's gotten minutes out there, really just comes down to the opportunity for him to be able to get those consistent minutes. And for an Indiana team that is pretty much going to be not only in the play-in, is pretty well locked in into the position that they are, really for them it's about trying to see hey, who's looking good, who's looking hot going into a potential play-in tournament, a potential chance for us to be able to make that postseason appearance. And with everyone else just sitting out there, I'm looking at Keelan Martin as a potential opportunity as well for value. And then, of course, you said uh, TJ and Karis LeVert, depending on how the game goes. I like that call. Yeah, I actually had some Martin uh, on that last slate. So uh, slipped it, slipped right by me. So I'm glad you did bring him up, man. That's an excellent call, especially if all these big men are out. He's an interchangeable position player, too. He can play a little bit of the four and the three for him which is something that they'll need, especially if Sabonis sits. All right. On the other side of the ball, we talked about it. Every single starter for the Raptors is pretty much out. We can pretty much assume a lot of these, a lot of these bench role players are going are gonna to come out here and play 30-plus minutes. Now, looking at the center position is the, probably the one that's got the biggest question mark surrounding it just because they have multiple players that we could see play there, being Ken Birch, Chris Boucher, and uh, just maybe even everybody's little – Little favorite, uh, Gillespie. Uh, he's just been absolutely pouring it on there when given the minutes. Uh, so there's a lot of options that we could take a, uh, take a look at. So I think I'll probably opt to avoid that center position just because I think with every team playing, we're going to have some more stable options. If anything, I'd probably lean a little bit more towards the guard position with Malachi Flynn or Gary Trent Jr. Both these guys have some upside. Flynn's probably more of the safe cash conservative play. Uh, but that being said, Poured it on and took 21 shots in that last one. So I'd probably lean more Flint uh, over Gary Trent Jr. Just because Gary Trent Jr. is a little bit more scoring dependent. If his shot's not falling, he's not going to chip in as many rebounds and assists. Flint could get it done in multiple different ways. So he'll probably be my main option. I don't think I'll opt to play Stanley Johnson at 4,800. I'll let other people do that if they'd like. I think that we'll have some better 3K or $3,500 salary uh, price players available to us. And that's probably it for me, man. I'll, I'll, I'll just cross it off, I guess, at Malachi Flynn. Fair. Uh, I think the other uh, other name that you don't want to kind of miss out on here is Jalen Harris, who's been getting a combination of the minutes being thrown to him. And essentially with Van Vliet out, he's pretty much walked into that role as essentially the main two guard for them and put up 43 fantasy points in the last game, has gotten 21 and 12 shots in the last two games that he's played and really has just looked absolutely awesome. As a side caveat, obviously part of the introduction side of it, been a Raptors fan her entire life about eight uh, eight years as a season ticket holder as well so really getting to see these guys play on and off and I do think Jalen Harris is one of those guys that the Raptors are really looking at not only from their development standpoint but also just as a guy they always had their eye on to finally get an opportunity to play so at 4200 he absolutely crushed his value in the last game it would be incredibly surprising to me if he doesn't at least hit that value this game as well so definitely keep an eye on him great call so let me ask you who is the greatest Raptor of all time the greatest Raptor of all time is Kyle Lowry. No cap whatsoever to it. 
All right. I like that. I like that answer. The easy go-to would just be to say something, you know, VC or, uh, you know, T-Mac or any of those guys. But uh, I like it. I like the call. I'm a big Kyle Lowry guy. I don't, I don't feel like he ever gets the amount of respect that he's does. He hasn't since he was on Houston. Uh, mm. But then when he, went to, when he went to Toronto, he really just should have shut everybody up. But you still hear people say it. Yeah, unfortunate. All right. Next game, Boston Celtics traveling to New York, taking on the Knicks in this one. Looking for an actual game line or a game total. We're not going to have like any of these available for us. Uh, I believe we have one, but so buckle up and just keep an eye out for that stuff. But for ooh, where am I looking at the wrong injury report? Yeah, I actually don't. We don't even have an injury report. I'm sitting here scrambling and looking. There is for no injury Boston, report. I mean, so yeah. far that we know, as far as Boston themselves are concerned, we know Jalen's out, uh, yeah. Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart. Time Lord, Robert Williams, and Tristan Thompson. All those guys are listed out coming in for them. So that's just five major guys out there, especially. <laughs> yeah. It's it's going to be the same bodies again. And this Knicks team, this is probably the one team that won't rest. <laughs> despite being <laughs> locked into where they are, despite knowing that they're going to be a playoff team, Tibbs doesn't rest. Uh, he just doesn't do it. He wants, to, he wants everybody to be playing with continuity going into the playoffs. And I would assume... He's done it in the past that he does the same thing in this circumstance. So keep an eye on that. But uh, this Celtics team, I'll pass it over to you. You touched on it. No Smart, no Walker, no Brown, no Williams, no Thompson. A lot of these major guys are out. We should see plenty of the young guys. Wouldn't surprise me if they limit Tatum a little bit as well. Mm. But again, something that we will have to see. If not, it's going to be full go for Tatum despite it being a tough matchup. So I'll pass it over to you for this Celtics team. Yeah, absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head as far as Tatum's concerned. I just feel like with the amount of load his body's been taking over the last little while, I mean, we saw his minutes slightly lowered in that Minnesota game, although that was a bit of a blowout in and of itself. But I don't expect him to be putting on uh, the entire amount and full allotment of everything that he does just because Boston is pretty well in a situation where they're going to have to be stuck where they are and hope that they can do better as far as the playoffs are concerned because they've just been a disappointment. That being said... Peyton Pritchard is one guy that I'm really looking into as, again, a good value play who's going to be getting the minutes, who's going to be getting the shots, 12 and 13 in the last two games, put up 32 fantasy points in the Cleveland game, 27 again in the Minnesota game. And there's really no reason for them to not just kind of throw it out there as far as usage is concerned. And especially we've seen Brad Stevens really like to experiment with the depth of his lineups, especially once the playoffs come around. He likes throwing out those little wrinkles into his lineup. So if he's seeing more from Peyton Pritchard, who has had a number of really, really good-looking games as far as his uh, value is concerned, I'd be looking at him. And the other spot that I'd be looking at, again, a value play on here is Aaron Nesmith, who's, again, been in that little price range of that high 3000s. This is his highest, I believe, sitting at about 4000 on this game. So, as you say, there may potentially be options where there's more upside. But if we're looking at some solidity as far as something that could be a potential cheap glue that you can throw in there once you've got your studs. Those two are the ones I'd be looking at for uh, the Boston Celtics. Absolutely. Only two I had an eye on as well. Uh, you know, if, if we hear the news that Tatum and Fournier aren't going to face any sort of restrictions or whatever, because this is a game where, I mean, if anything, you have to worry, be worried about the, the Celtics keeping it close in this one. But if, you know, who knows? There's their GPP options, I think, at best. I, I don't know if I can feel too confident trusting them in cash, but. I feel like Pritchard and Naismith, both those guys, Pritchard will probably still come off the bench. That's okay. Do not panic. We'd rather have that. You want him coming off the bench. We want him getting that second unit usage and the second unit ball handling. Let them start Tremont Waters. Don't buy that. Uh, Let somebody else play that play. On the Knicks side of the ball, a lot of interest for me over here. I touched on it. I just think that these guys are going to play. I don't see any reason why he slows down. Julius Randle played 46 minutes and 45 minutes and 44 (laughs) minutes over the past three games. It's not going anywhere. Uh, I'll play Randall, 9,400. He's one of my favorite plays on this early slate. He's one of the favorite guys I'd want to spend up on outside of that whole Westbrook scenario in the first game. So uh, starting off with a nice foundation of Julius Randall and Russell Westbrook just feels like the way to go for me. And in my pivots, I might just play some Beal in Randall. But Randall is my top option on this slate, 9,400, all of the Randall. I don't know if I said it enough, but <laughs> all of the Randall. Uh, keep an eye on the whole uh, point guard situation. We saw Derrick Rose. Uh, sit out the game prior, played on Saturday, so there's a decent chance he sits knowing it is a back-to-back for them. If he does sit, probably get a fair share of Emmanuel Quickly and Alec Burks. Both those guys will probably split up the minutes. Burks, probably my preferred option, just because if Quickly's only playing 24 minutes, I do not know if it will be enough for him to get us done 
get it done for us in tournaments while Burks has been playing 30-plus over the last two. Plenty of shot attempts for him in there as well. So only at 3,900, put up 33 and 50 DK points over the last two games. I'm cool with that. Those are my two top options. Probably the only two guys I'd really have too much interest in, but wouldn't argue if you wanted to play someone like Noel or some of these other guys as well. Yeah, completely fair. And uh, while you say you have Alder Randall all the time, I just always seem to find RJ Barrett ends up in pretty much all of my lineups, no matter how I do it. This price point just always just screams out upside to me every time. And it's funny because he seems to alternate between great game and mediocre game. And if it's any consolation, his last game was a mediocre one against the Charlotte Hornets where he uh, put up just 21 and a half. But he's been constantly sitting around that mid-40s as far as his fantasy output's concerned. And for a guy, as you said, who is going to be alongside uh, Julius Randle getting all that consistent usage. His three-point shot has continued to come around, and he did quite well in the other game where he had against the Boston Celtics where he's dropped about 41 points on average in the two matchups against them, shooting 60%. They've really struggled to be able to contain R.J. Barrett. So another 6,700 option that has a lot of upside for him. You could see him easily dropping another 40, and you'll see and be laughing your way to the bank with that. <laughs> Absolutely. If, uh, if, if Randall's playing the minutes, Barrett's probably playing the minutes as well. Yeah. Uh, the, one, the one caveat I had for Barrett is early in the season, when they had all these guards available, now they might not have them all, uh, Barrett's minutes would not necessarily get sacrificed in the fourth quarter, but they had some other options that they could, mm. could look to in the fourth quarter. Uh, I, don't, I don't ever mind playing any of these Knicks, though. Like I said, I think all of them are going to play significant minutes. And uh, I like it. I think Barrett's a great call, especially knowing that Boston's, you know, their their main focus and their main, uh, you know, defensive skill has been opposing wings. They don't have that. They're not going to have that without Marcus Smart. They're not going to have that without Jalen Brown. Uh, this team is going to be a little bit more vulnerable against opposing wings now. So we'll slide over to the next game, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. We have the Phoenix Suns traveling to San Antonio. Taking on the Spurs. No injury report for either team. Both teams on the back end of a back-to-back. No game total because that's just the NBA right now. That's not going to happen. So I'll pass it over to you. I'll let you break down this Phoenix team for us. Talk about what you like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as far as the injury report's concerned, I mean, DeAndre Ayton's still sitting at questionable on here, so we still have to wait and see whether he's going to be able to uh, suit up for this game for them. Sat out on Saturday, and I have a sneaky feeling that he doesn't go about playing again which does uh, leave us with a potential option of Dario Saric, who started off in the last game out there uh, for 3,200. Has a pretty good uh, floor as far as he's concerned. For him, it's all about uh, his capability to be able to put up points in bunches. If he gets his shot going, he can easily drop a 30-30 plus as far as fantasy points are concerned. So keep one eye out at there. The other value play that I always like with the Phoenix Suns, and it's kind of been sneaky most nights, has been Cameron Payne, who especially on a game where we may potentially be seeing uh, larger disparities as far as the score is concerned. I mean, San Antonio is pretty well locked in to their 10 spot. Phoenix actually has a potential opportunity to be able to push for that one seed, depending on how things go with the Utah Jazz. So they've really liked playing Cameron Payne off the bench. They like the instant offense that he brings. They like the capability for him to take the pressure off of Chris Paul and Devin Booker as far as ball handling capabilities are concerned. So I think in terms of value plays, again, with the Westbrook and Randall studs out there, you're going to need some of that to uh, round out your lineup. And Cameron Payne would be a spot that you may be interested in. Absolutely. Uh, I, I do think that there's definitely some some options that we could take a look at on this Phoenix side. The one thing that kind of worries me with Phoenix is they value their rotational players like starters. Mm. Uh, and we, we kind of saw that in the last one, you know, with Sark and with Payne. Uh, these guys, you know, even though their starters were limited or not playing, the game got out of hand. It was a 140 to 103 game. <laughs> Payne only played 17 minutes. Sark only played 18. And it's because we got to see Kaminsky play 24. We got to see Javon Carter play 22. So these guys are still, even if this, even if we see a lot of these starters sit, even if we see the game get out of hand, I don't know if I can feel confident that we see these guys play 30 plus. Now that doesn't mean that we need them to play 30 plus. They'll still be in play even if they don't. Uh, but again, we have so much value and this is what we're talking about as we're recording this the morning of, uh, slates lock in about four or five hours. We're going to have more news pop up in between now and then, especially once these lineups get solidified a half an hour before the game start. Now, when that happens, do we have better value? We might. But as of right now, we necessarily – I'm not going to say we do or we don't. We, we could. I still think they're in play. I just don't know if they're going to be smash values that I'm going to be looking for. Uh, if they round out a lineup, absolutely. I do think the upside's there for both of them. I think Cameron Payne is one of the better point-per-minute backups in this league at the point guard position, and he's shown that time and time again. 
Uh, again, I, I say all this, and it's not like I'm sitting here saying I feel better about Frank Kaminsky or I feel better mm-hmm. about Javon Carter. I don't. I, I just think it's going to be a toss-up between all four of these guys, and they're probably going to split the minutes pretty evenly. Yeah. Uh, on the San Antonio side of the ball, it's just as uh, just as dicey, I guess we could say. We saw a lot of these guys sit out yesterday's game. DeMar DeRozan sat out due to the rest. We saw that DeJounte Murray sat out. We saw that Jakob Pertl. Uh, Rudy Gay. So a lot of these guys already sat out. Is there a chance that they sit out another game or did they finish the season? That's the question. Now, if they if they start, sure. DeMar DeRozan at 7,100. DeJounte Murray at 7K. I probably prefer DeRozan. But again, these are guys that there's a lot of mystery surrounding. Now, if these guys sit, Drew Eubanks, 3,400. He'd be an immediate center play that we could take a value stab at, knowing that there might not be any Acapurtle. Uh, I don't imagine that they want to go out there and roll Gorgie Dang out as much as they did in that Phoenix game uh, on the last game of the season. Who knows? I could be wrong there, but I think that seems like it's more of a Drew Eubanks type of situation. And with that being said, you know, we might even see guys like Trey Jones again. Played 29 minutes in that last one. Game got out of hand. I like him in this matchup a little bit more. I know it's against Phoenix, but he's not going against Chris Paul probably for the majority of this one. Um, So sign me up. I'm cool with those two guys. I just want to hear what's going on with the news before I can lock them in and consider them great value plays. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, other side as well, same with the DeMar DeRozan, Deontay Murray situation is Devin Vassell comes into play. If we uh, see any of those two kind of completely set out, played 34 minutes in the previous game, got 15 shots up in there, has been a big project for the San Antonio Spurs throughout the season. It's funny because coming into it, everyone kind of had more of an eye on Devin Vassell than they had on like Keldon Johnson, who ended up kind of overtaking that and playing it. He's another guy who's potentially in play, but at 4,500, not as excited about that. But Devin Vassell, a guy who they're really trying to get a lot more uh, ball handling capabilities in and to kind of see him as one of the people that they're going to look at as far as not only the season's playoffs are concerned or play-ins concerned, but for someone going forward. So 34 minutes last game, 3,300. Once uh, we find out more information as far as uh, DeMar and Murray's status is concerned, look into that as a potential value pick for you as well. All righty. We will slide on over to the next game. Memphis Grizzlies traveling to Golden State, taking on the Warriors in this one. This is the final game of the early slate. For the Warriors, Damian Lee, Kelly Oubre Jr., Clay Thompson, James Wiseman all ruled out. And for the Grizzlies, Sean McDermott and Grayson Allen ruled out. A lot of these guys sat in on that Saturday game. We saw that. Keep your eye on the news. Looks like they should be good to go, though. None of them being listed on the injury report. So, John Morant coming in at 8,200 in this matchup. I'm expecting this to be a little bit more competitive than a lot of people might. Uh, for, every, for all the reasons I just said, maybe Steph waits to see if Beal suits up. Um, maybe, maybe that's what it is because this could end up being one of the scoring battles. If Beal comes out here and has a monster game, Curry's going to come out here and I think drop 40 to 45 or 50 just to make the statement, win the scoring title, put everybody to the shame. There's a lot of narratives that are surrounding this game, I guess it could be said. So, yeah. uh, but we'll start off with this Grizzlies team. I'll pass it over to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, narrative aside, cause that is actually one of those games where I'm actually very excited to go ahead and watch it because of the fact that. Whoever wins this game locks into the eighth seed and the loser goes straight to nine. So it's very much a one and done scenario for them. And there's a reason why both the Memphis and the Golden State had rested their guys into this marquee matchup. But as far as Memphis is concerned, yeah, you're absolutely right. John at 8,200 is something that's always going to be you know, an exciting pick with a lot of upside. Obviously, Morant has had his uh, struggles as far as shooting the ball is concerned here and there. He has situations where he just absolutely stinks it up shooting about 30% from there. But... His uh, all-around game always gives you an opportunity to be able to get in on some value. He'll always get out-of-position rebounds for you, and his assists have been sitting around that eight mark throughout. So even if his shot's not necessarily dropping, he still gets into those uh, high 30s, low 40s as far as his fantasy points are concerned. So definitely a spot to be able to look at for a little bit of uh, safe value. Maybe not as much for a a big tournament kind of thing, but in a cash scenario, I'd be interested. The other side is uh, Jonas Valanciunas, who who his minutes are pretty much the only thing that ever kind of prevents him from getting to really unlocking that absolute top end of what he can do because this has been a career season for him his last 10 days where his minutes have ramped up closer to 30 a game he's been averaging nearly 45 uh, drafting points in that time so another guy that I'm actually really excited to be able to see especially given the fact that uh, the Golden State Warriors continue to be incredibly undersized on the inside uh, that pick-and-roll situation with him and John Morant has been incredibly effective over the last number of games now. And if he can get up into that uh, high 20s, low 30s again, uh, much like he has uh, earlier in the season against the Warriors, where he dropped about 42 points a game on average on him, 
you know, look at that as a really big potential spot where your center guy could be putting up some numbers. And not a lot of people often pick up Jonas Valanciunas. His ownership percentage is pretty low, so it can be a bit sneaky to be able to get that. You just talked about it perfectly, man. That was He's my favorite center play on the slate. Uh, for all those same reasons that you just said, you know, we're going to want to try to get the Westbrooks and Randalls, but there's this game. This is the next game that it's, it's the juicy, it's the matchup. It's the one that's going to have the most competitive juices flowing in. And it may be one of those games where they just try to take advantage of the mismatch as much as possible and try to hold this game in. So Jonas could be playing 30 plus. Like you said, he's averaging over 40 DK points in two matchups against his team earlier in the season. He has the floor. He has the ceiling. I'm all for it. Same thing with John Morant. Outside of those two guys, I won't be playing too much. Uh, the whole Bain and Melton situation gets a little cloudy now that we have you know, Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson Jr. both healthy. Jaron Jackson will likely draw that start and therefore pushing Kyle Anderson down to the three. Brooks down to the two. These guys probably won't start and play as much. But for those reasons, John Morant Jonas very much into play. And for the Warriors, it's just a lot of the same for over on this side. Curry and Draymond. I prefer Draymond. I do love both Curry and Draymond. But it's just going to be hard for me to get Randall. Westbrook and Curry all in there and hey if I'm not playing Westbrook yeah then Curry 100% makes a ton of sense we'll have the value we can easily do that but Draymond's in play for me no matter what 7400 love this matchup for him he's averaging about 33 DK points in 32 minutes against his team I'm expecting closer to a triple double double type performance from Curry or from uh from Draymond in this one though so 7400 he's my top play on the Warriors but again, wouldn't argue with Curry outside of those two guys I will not be going anywhere else I just don't think I need to with some of the value I have yeah, absolutely. Completely agreed on that. Those are the two guys I'm looking at, too. All right. That is the early slate, the five games. So it took about a half hour, about a half hour for us to get through those first five games. Now we have 10 games, double that. So we're going to probably put it on a little bit of an overdrive. I don't want to keep everybody here all day. It's a wonderful yeah. Sunday. Hopefully you guys <laughs> got good weather and you're going to be enjoying it. Uh, but we're going to shift gears. We're going to get ready for this next slate. Before I do, though. Quick little shout out to our presenting sponsor over at Manscaped. You guys haven't heard us talk about them a lot. Well, they're back. And it's time for us to talk about them because they have the absolute best products out there for your male grooming needs, whether it's for yourself or a gift for others. Guys, head over to Manscaped, use that promo code HOOPBALL20, and you will get 20% off plus free shipping on your purchase. That promo code is HOOPBALL20. Whether you want the perfect package kit for your traveling needs or you just want to get one solo product because you found out that you can't live without it. Head over to Manscaped. Use that promo code HOOPBALL20. All right, first game, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. Cleveland Cavaliers traveling to Brooklyn, taking on the Nets. Next, Nets on the second half of a back-to-back. Mac, uh, for the Cavs, Matthew Della Vadova, Isaiah Hartenstein, Kevin Love, Larry Nance Jr., Torian Prince, Lamar Stevens, Dylan Windler. All ruled out. I will pass it over to you, my friend. Talk about this Cleveland Cavaliers team. Yeah, and we have 10 games to go over here, so there's going to be a lot of potential value plays. And really what it comes down to is how competitive this match ends up staying, because I don't expect it will. And really the only guy I've been looking at throughout this has been Isaac Okoro, who is now sitting at about 5,300 at this point, has been consistently crushing his value over the last three games. And really it's come as a result of him getting a lot more ball handling duties, getting about five assists a game in that three-game stretch as well. And sitting at anywhere between low 30s to even a 45 bomb on there. So there are a lot of opportunities here. And he's playing minutes regardless of what's going on with the game situation. So if it happens to be a blowout, probably better for him. Because that just means Sexton will be handling the ball less as he gets to sit out. So apart from everything else, Isaac Okoro is one spot that I'd be looking at. Especially at that otherwise often hard to fill shooting guard slash small forward area. Absolutely. And listen, if I knew Jared Allen was playing 30 plus, I'd love him here too. Uh, a <laughs> little, little matchup against his former team. He's played well in the, the two matchups that he's faced the Nets this season. Only played 25 minutes in those, but put up 33 DK points. So he's getting over a point per minute DK wise. So we knew he was playing the minutes. Absolutely. But he's a tournament play at most because we just don't know what kind of workload he'll, he will be getting. Although he has been playing 30 plus. So keep that in mind. On the Brooklyn side of the ball. I'm okay with not playing any one of these guys. It seems weird uh, just saying that. You know, there's going to be some value available. But now Harden, Durant, Kyrie, all these guys are back. They're all priced up. We're going to talk about some priced up options and better situations that we'd rather play. So I'm okay with not playing any of these guys, man, and just keeping it moving. Yeah, no, I'm totally down with that. Maybe some Bruce Brown just to be a little bit wonky because he's getting the minutes and getting the numbers for his price. But even outside of that, I wouldn't really be too excited. No, no, not too much. So we'll keep it moving to the next game. We have the Orlando Magic traveling to Philadelphia. 
taking on the 76ers. As far as an injury report goes for the Sixers, we have Seth Curry and Danny Green, Ben Simmons, Matisse Thibel, all questionable. Shake Milton, Fernand Korkmaz, Joel Embiid are probable. Danny Green is questionable as well. Yeah. And that is it. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We do have Orlando's. What am I talking about? Wendell Carter Jr., RJ Hampton, both questionable. Michael Carter-Williams, James Enos, Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac, Chumo Kiki, Otto Porter Jr., and Terrence Ross all ruled out. So we're mainly keeping an eye on Wendell Carter Jr. and RJ Hampton, although it's a tough matchup for this Orlando team, despite looking at this Orlando team. I do not have a lot of interest in anybody. The one guy that I would have interest is questionable, and that is RJ Hampton, just because this dude's been putting up some great numbers, uh, you know, back, back-to-back games of 38 DK points plus. He's going to play in garbage time. He's going to play if the game stays close. Regardless, he should play. Now, with him being questionable, if he does get ruled out, that will open up some minutes on the wing for guys like Jason Randall, Gary Harris. You know, those two guys, neither one of them stand out to me. If I had to have interest in one of them, it would be Randall. But it would just be a pump play, and we probably have better pump plays available. So nothing really for me over here on the Orlando side, but I'll pass it over to you to catch your thoughts before we move on. Yeah, no, I think we can quickly move on from there. RJ Hampton was the only guy of interest to me as well. So let's see what uh, his questionable status looks like. And again, 7 o'clock lock, so you'll at least know the info right before he gets going. Exactly. And on the Philly side of the ball, we're going to have to wait and see. We'll have all this news. That's the good part. That is one of the 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time games. We won't have the news for all these games, but... Uh, we should have the news. Joel Embiid is being considered probable, so I think it's safe to assume that he will play at least a couple minutes in this mm. one. But Ben Simmons, Danny Green, these two guys are going to play a large factor. Same thing with Seth Curry. If these guys end up getting ruled out, which it wouldn't shock me, I think we can go back to the well on a guy like Tyrese Maxey. Uh, they've been trying to get this guy a few more minutes towards the end of the season, and if these guys sit the last game that he played 30-plus minutes and he came out and dropped 40 DK points. Mm. Uh, this dude is a scoring machine. His biggest knock on him coming into the season was his three-point shooting. And let's just be real. He has not been a three-point shooter, a bad three-point shooter over the last few games. He's been shooting fairly well uh, when he's been given the minutes. Now, you see those 0-for-1 games in there? Yeah, if you take one three-point shot and you miss it, that's going to happen. Uh, but this dude's not as bad as people think. He shouldn't have fell in the draft as much as he did. He is a scoring machine and a great point-per-minutes guy. So he'd probably be my favorite option over here at 3,900 and probably the primary option. Wouldn't shock me if we see them throw Gary Clark a few minutes as they're getting ready to see if he's going to be in their playoff rotation. But... Just Maxi for me. Yeah, it's just Maxi for me as well. And I'm actually expecting Ben Simmons to either get rested completely or play minimal minutes on here. So he's definitely a guy who's in play for me. And Philly already having secured the top seed could definitely be looking to see what they have otherwise. All right, next game. Houston Rockets traveling to Atlanta, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. For Atlanta, Cam Radish has been ruled out. Anyaka Akangu is questionable, while Tony Snell and Kevin Werder are both probable. For the Rockets, Avery Bradley, Sterling Brown, Dante Exum, Eric Gordon, Daniel House Jr., David Nwaba, Kevin Porter Jr., Kyrie Thomas, John Wall, and Christian Wood have all been ruled out. So I'll start off with this Houston team. Pretty simple for me, man. I have two options of guys I'm looking at, and it's the same two options of guys that we've been playing. They're expensive now, though. It's Kelly Olynyk at 8500 As expensive as he is, he's absolutely worth every penny of this. The matchup doesn't scare me off whatsoever. Uh, 54 DK points in that last one. And as long as this guy's going to be playing at least low 30 minutes, we have to consider him even at that price tag. And then it's Kevin Martin Jr. Uh, you know, this dude's been absolutely balling. Uh, for those who don't know, it's key, if you look on DK, it's KJ Martin Jr. Yeah. Uh, but his name's Kevin. Uh, he's been absolutely balling out when given the minutes. Down game in that game against the Clippers, but every single game prior to that, at least 39 DK points and four prior. So at 7,400 in this matchup, up pace, very little defense getting played. Who knows what's going to be going on with the Atlanta team with how much they actually need to play in this one. So these guys should see significant minutes regardless, and they'll be the only two options I'm looking at. And Houston, how about yourself? Yep, only two options. Kelly Olenek, I kind of am a... Even though the 8,500 has been a value he's crushed now, it's pretty much at fair value for him. So he's definitely someone that's always going to be in play for me, but he might now be a little bit lower on my tier list of guys I'm just jumping to grab. Absolutely. Can't fault you there. It's, uh, not used to seeing Kelly Olenek almost uh, mid-eight, yeah, touching exactly. nine. <laughs> On the other side of the ball, though, Trey Young. Only $300 more than Kelly Olenek, something that we would <laughs> never expect to set. Uh, where's your interest level with Trey Young at 8800 on this slate? 
I think it all just comes down to the fact that I don't expect this game to be all that close, to be honest. Atlanta doesn't have much to play for as well. They're pretty well locked in into their position. Trey playing about 26 minutes last game, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's about the minute total they keep him at this game as well, just because they've been a bit worried about his uh, numerous little niggles as far as his injuries are concerned. So uh, Trey at 88, not so much. I might look at uh, Bogdan for 7,200 as the guy who's going to be the primary ball handler, still gets his minutes regardless, and He's going to be a big part of what they want to do as far as the uh, the postseason is concerned. So he might be a spot, but either way, all the main guys in Atlanta are priced up just to a point where I'm not all that comfortable with it. All right, we'll move on. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. Miami Heat traveling to Detroit, taking on the Pistons. For the Pistons, Sekou, Wayne Ellington, Jeremy Grant, Rodney Magruder, Dennis Smith Jr., and Isaiah Stewart all ruled out. Keep an eye on Big Stew. Uh, Frank Jackson and is or Frank Jackson is doubtful. Corey Joseph is questionable. So first time in a long time we haven't seen Mason Plumley on an injury report, and we have Big Stu on there. A little bit of a switch around, but mm-hmm. uh, for this Miami Heat team, looks like they aren't going to give us an injury report because they played on the second half of a back to back. But Jimmy Butler is the main guy that we're going to want to keep an eye on. We already know that Victor Oladipo is out. Butler was ruled out of that Saturday game due to back soreness. Wouldn't shock me if he's ruled out of this one. Might as well get their guys healthy and right while they could. But I'll pass it over to you, and I'll let you give me your breakdown of Miami. Yeah, and that Jimmy Butler questionable tag is pretty much what's uh, unlocking the rest of this lineup because if he is uh, decided to sit out on this game, then you start to get some value in Kendrick Nunn as well as uh, Goran Dragic, both of those guys that are sitting around the exact same uh, price point, 4900 for Dragic, 5000 for Kendrick Nunn. I'd probably be a little bit more excited to take Nunn just because he takes a lot more shots and a lot more uh, minutes just to be able to get his usage up. Dropped 46.5 in the previous game out there as well, so definitely someone who becomes in play. Uh, keep an eye out as far as uh, Butler's thing is concerned. While Dragic as well is pretty, it's been pretty chalky in around that uh, 5,000 point range, uh, 5,000 salary range. And this is actually his lowest price in the last 15 days at this point. So definitely both of those guys as their main guards get into play if Jimmy Butler does sit out. And uh, that's where your interest should be. Yeah, you don't want any uh, any Haslam. I mean, the guy's averaging 1.8 <laughs> DK points per minute on the season right now. I mean, that's pretty... <laughs> Some pretty worthwhile we had numbers. as a super bonus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, two point four minutes on the season, and he put up five DK points. So hey, <laughs> don't play Aslam. Uh, don't play. I think that's. I think Spolster came out and said that was his favorite moment of the season. Was <laughs> was uh, was Haslam coming in there and getting ejected? But yeah, I'll have the same interest in the same guys as you. It's going to be none. It's going to be tragic. I wouldn't even be shocked if we see them go a little bit deeper uh, down down the. Uh, the rotation when we see Gabe Vincent, Max Strews, Precious, those guys wouldn't shock me if we see them play a little bit more. And don't sleep on either, you know, Dwayne Deadman. Uh, one of the better pickups I think that they had at the in the middle of the season as far as actual basketball for them. But that's it. On the Detroit side of things, it's a wild, wild card. Uh, the wild, wild west, I guess we could call it out here. Uh, but we're going to have to keep an eye on some of these guys. You know, with Mason Plumlee not being on the injury report, does he play a little bit more? He could play, come out here and play 20 minutes, uh, chop the minutes up with Jill Okafor. They could play him 30-plus. We really just don't know what the situation. I do have a little interest in him, but it would only be in GPPs. Outside of him, Diallo at 47 is a guy that I definitely will look at. When he gets the minutes, he's an absolute stud, and there's no arguing that. Over the past two games, he's played 35-plus minutes. Now, granted, there was 10 games in between those. That's the one mm-hmm. caveat with Diallo. It's his knee. It's the soreness. But if he's good in this one and he's playing... At 4700 he would be an absolute rock-solid value play, in my opinion. So that's probably the one guy that I have the most interest in, just because Killian Hayes and a lot of these other guards are starting to get priced up a little bit too much for me. Yeah, 100%. Diallo, who's been sitting at about uh, tw- between 26 to 27% usage over the last you know, two weeks. It's really all about him getting the opportunity to start, and he's averaging about 23-9 and nine in terms of uh, his production in that time. So at 4700 he would be a rock-solid play. It just all kind of depends on what Detroit decides to do because their rotations have been absolutely just wacky throughout the entire season, to be honest. Yeah, it's and you can't blame them. I mean, they haven't played for anything since the season started. But uh, (laughs) we'll move on to the next game, a little bit more competitive, a little bit more fun to watch. Excuse me as I take a quick sip of the coffee. All right, Denver Nuggets traveling to Portland. Taking on the Trailblazers. For the Nuggets, Will Barton, P.J. Dozier, Jamal Murray all rolled out. And for the Blazers, it is only Zach Collins. I think a lot of people are going to be excited about this game. And rightfully so. 
pass it over to you and get your take on the Joker coming in at 10-8, one of the higher-priced guys on this late slate. Where are you at with him, and where does he fare amongst these other group of guys? Yeah, and when we talk about games that uh, will have some sort of narrative behind them, some sort of uh, importance to it. Denver, who with the win would pretty much lock up the third seed and probably lock in Joker as the MVP, will probably want to remind people exactly why uh, he's getting to it. So at 10-8, uh, you know, it's all about um, what kind of uh, competitiveness comes to the game. I don't expect this to be anywhere more than a small single-digit spread as far as concerned. I don't know if they updated it, but I believe Portland is favored with five or six points last time I checked. So definitely one that's going to be uh, with the starters playing a good amount of minutes on a game where they want to get uh, everything ironed up for the playoffs itself. So the Joker at 10-800, uh, especially in a situation where he's going to be uh, playing off against the matchup that could potentially be coming up for them in the playoffs as well. Definitely somewhere of interest to me and has always done well against Portland, averaging over 51 uh, DK points for them. So it's probably fair value, fair price at where he's at. But in terms of high price plays and guys you can build your lineup around, Joker is definitely one that you want to look into. Absolutely. There's only two high-priced guys around his price range I'm even considering. I'm pretty sure anybody that's listened to this show for the entirety of the season knows who the next guy is going to be. But Jokic, <laughs> Jokic absolutely 10-8, a uh, guy that I have a lot of interest in. And I will probably be at least even with the field on. I don't expect him to be you know, necessarily a sneaky play. It's the MVP candidate in a great matchup on the last day of the slate where everybody else is sitting. So expect high ownership to him, but he should be worth it in this one. 10-8 is probably the only guy I'm looking at. Don't mind Michael Porter Jr. 8,400, but again, with so many options, we can't. I'm not really going to be gravitating towards more than one or two guys from each team unless they're hovering around 3K. Uh, on the Portland side of the ball, a lot of the same stuff could be said. I always like to target Nurkic in the matchup where he goes against Jokic. He's generally played well. These two guys were on the same team for the better half of two seasons, bully balled in practice with each other a lot. And at one point, it was Nurkic's job to lose, and then he lost it to you know, Jokic, but. He gets up for these matchups at 7,100. I expect to see him play 30-plus minutes in this one. He's probably my favorite option if I'm looking at anybody on Portland. Although, like I said, the competitive juices, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be opposed to spending up on any of these guys in this matchup. And outside of him, that's probably it. Uh, he'll probably be the main guy I'm looking at. And then McCollum and Lillard are always in play. Yeah, absolutely. And Lillard, for sure, is uh, you know, 9,400 is a price point where if he gets going, he can absolutely crush that. And it's just one of those games where it just sounds like a Damian Lillard vintage performance is just around the corner. I mean, he's been averaging nearly 53 fantasy points over his last 10 days. This win would pretty much help them lock up the fifth seed as well, which is going to be big for what uh, they want to do. Because if they lose, they could potentially go down into the play-in tournament, depending on how other results go. So Dame's definitely going to be up for this matchup. At 9,400, I'd feel pretty confident with them hitting that. And I'll probably have at least a couple of shares of him uh, as far as tournaments are concerned at the very least. Absolutely. We'll move it on. 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. Utah Jazz traveling to Sacramento. Take on them Kangs for the Kings. Marvin Bagley, Harrison Barnes, both doubtful. De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Rashawn Holmes, Justin James have been rolled out. And Hassan Whiteside is questionable. Donovan Mitchell, only name to be concerned with over there on Utah. He is still out. Everybody else should be good to go for this one. It's going to be a cakewalk matchup for this Utah Jazz. Uh, I just don't imagine a world where this game actually stays close. If it did, I would say, yeah, go play Rudy Gobert. He's gonna who's gonna defend him on this opposing team with Rashawn Holmes out and you know Whiteside questionable. It's not Gobert doesn't need to be a guy that takes more than eight shot attempts at night, but he should finish with seventeen rebounds in this one if the game stays close. <laughs> now, I don't, I don't, I don't anticipate it staying close though. So I don't have a lot of interest for just about anybody over here on this team. They're very, very deep. So I'm all set with the Utah Jazz. feels weird saying that with a cakewalk <laughs> matchup against the Sacramento Kings. But what do you got over there? Yeah, no, Utah was one of the teams that I scratched off as not nobody I want on this one. Let's, uh, let's move on. Exactly. And then we'll slide over to this other side of the ball. Uh, looking at the Kings, it's going to be a difficult matchup for them. So a lot of these high-priced guys, you know, Buddy Hill, DeLon Wright, guys that we've been taking advantage of. Terrence Davis can get thrown in there as well. I've been probably playing too much Terrence Davis. Uh, that did not pay off in that last one as he shot two of 18 and <laughs> disappointed. But if I had to play one of those three, it would be Davis just based on the price discrepancy between them. But I'll be looking at the value more or less. Uh, Metu coming in at 5K. He's getting a little bit of a price bump, but this guy should continue to play the majority of the four, even slide over the five here and there. And then we have to keep an eye on Damian Jones, who they've had on this team for better half of the season now, and they enjoyed having him. So, 3,500, looking at a guy that will probably play 30-plus minutes. They don't really have a lot of center options outside of him if Whiteside is ruled out. Uh, so 
sign me up. I do not mind having some Damian Jones as a value play at 3,500, despite it being a matchup against Gobert. It's just that rebounding upside. And if Gobert plays 25 minutes, we'll still see Jones probably have a good 15 against the backup. So sign me up. I'm good with him. Yeah, agree completely. Damian Jones is one. Terrence Davis, the other. Just because even if I'm looking at two of 18, the last game, it's the 18 shots that always interest me. So as long as he's able to put that up, I doubt he'll be dropping 11% from the field on that one. So it's likely he'll be able to hit his value just because he's going to play regardless of what the game situation is. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know too much about Lewis King. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I do. I'm not going to, I don't like to recommend guys I don't know a whole lot about, but he played 34 minutes in the last one. He took 16 shot attempts. If he's going to have this sort of usage and this sort of volume, he's absolutely in play. He'd be another one of those guys where he plays probably 30 plus minutes despite the matchup and despite the blowout. With that being said, proceed with caution. I just, I try to keep things very, very transparent to our listeners. And I just don't know too much about this guy's game. Uh, Somebody I might have to dig into as we get off the podcast and I start to, you know, kind of look maybe after I'll, I'll probably dig into it after the one o'clock lineups lock. So that way I can focus on that early slate and then have that nice little six hour window where I can dig into this guy a little bit more. But I don't know if you know much about him. That's why I wanted to bring him up. Catch your thoughts. Uh, on yeah, it was the same thing. It was just one of those where I just well, saw the box score for that one, got to see some highlights. And it's just one of those where it just feels like those scenarios where a guy gets thrown in and being able to put it there. If he gets the minutes, absolutely, he's in play. He's at absolutely rock-bottom price, so it might be something that you throw out there in a GPP and see if it happens to hit gold, but same as you, haven't really locked into him as of yet. Yeah, and it's just it's. I always get a little nervous chasing those types of performances, especially exactly. when those box score watchers see that. The ownership starts to fly up, and I'm just like, wait a second, who's this guy? Um, you know, it, it's really going to be determined, I guess, on that ownership, and like you said, hopefully we have that news. But we'll move on. 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. L.A. Lakers traveling to New Orleans, taking on the battered Pelicans. So no longer fun Pelicans. It's not a fun <laughs> team to watch anymore. Uh, Lakers, no injury report. Second half of back-to-back. But for the Pelicans, Steven Adams, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Zion, all out. And then we have James Johnson, Wes Wundu, both considered questionable. They are battered. They are bruised. For this Lakers team, we got to see the king. We got to see him return. Uh, he played on Saturday. 11 to 22 shooting, put up 43 DK points in 28 minutes. Don't expect him to necessarily play in this one. It's a back-to-back. We're going to have to see, especially knowing that this Pelicans team is battered. But the Lakers are in one of those situations themselves where this game's it's kind of important for them. Uh, but I'll pass it over to you. Talk about this Lakers team. What can we expect? Do they keep it competitive? Do we see these guys play? What are your thoughts? I think as far as this game's concerned, the Lakers are definitely just looking to Get the get the quick W, have the score, be out of things so that they can go ahead and play more Horton Tucker and more of the bench guys just to be able to kind of get it done with. They're ready for the postseason, so I don't expect LeBron, Anthony Davis, these guys to be really playing any sort of big minutes in a game that's likely not to be all that competitive. Uh, one spot that I'm potentially looking at is uh, Montrez Harrell, who I expect, as I said, with the game getting a little bit out of hand at 3,800, has a lot of opportunity to be able to put up some good value, has done well against the Pelicans in the two matches that they have, and it really just comes down to can he get himself some consistent uh, consistent minutes in this kind of a game, which I have a feeling he will. So if he can get anywhere between 20 and 25 minutes, he should be able to crush that value, and that's probably the one play that I'm looking at in terms of any sort of confidence for them. Yeah, and it's just because of the price tag, like you said. 3800 is just a little too cheap for this guy, and he's a great point-per-minute guy. If the game gets out of hand, he probably plays like closer to, you said, 25, 24. And at that point in time, yeah, you know, sign me up. Uh, even in 18 minutes, he could pay off that price tag. So I don't mind taking stabs at him. That was it for me. Uh, on the Pelican side of the ball, with all these guys out, Nikhil Alexander-Walker came back, stepped up, and he's been just where he was before he got hurt. So 6,800, it's not a great matchup. We don't like the target teams going against the Lakers, but we know this team is playing for absolutely nothing at this point. So look for Nikhil Alexander-Walker to continue leading this team in usage, having the bulk of the shot attempts. You should see probably 18 to 20 shot attempts in this one. Uh, if there's no LeBron James, it's a little bit of a better situation. So at 6,800, I do have some interest in him. The other guys I will take a look at would be like Jackson Hayes, uh, you know, playing uh, 24 minutes in two out of the last three games, double-digit shot attempts in the past five games. This dude's given himself a pretty comfortable floor. The price tag has gone up at 4,700, but I don't mind taking stabs at him. I prefer him over Hernan Gomez with that price discount. And then the only other guy that I have any interest in this team would be a guy like Najee Marshall, who continues to play 30-plus minutes. And again, for the same things that we just said about Jackson Hayes, he has double-digit rebounds in two out of the last three games. He's got at least 10 shot attempts over the past five. The usage has been there, and he's got a nice, comfortable floor of around 20 to 25 DK points, and we've seen him touch 40 a few times as well. So those are the three guys I have in my player pool. 
Yeah, it's the exact same, and just for the exact same reasons you listed, they're pretty good as far as their floors are concerned, so you can feel pretty confident going in and knowing that you won't get a complete and absolute stinker. All right, <clears throat> next game, Milwaukee Bucks traveling to Chicago. 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. No injury report for either team. Both teams on the second half of a back-to-back. And I'll just keep it very, very transparent here. I do not like any of these Bucks. I don't trust them. Listen, I just don't feel it. I, I just don't know if we're going to get any of these guys playing. It wouldn't shock me if they decide they want to sit all their starters. Uh, we saw them all play yesterday. I, I anticipate a lot of these Bucks sit. So with that being said, the guys I have interest in would be Thonis. Giannis' younger brother, 3K. Anytime this guy starts and plays big minutes, he is a point-per-minute machine. And then I would also look at Jordan Nwora. Both these guys, I expect to play significant minutes. I prefer Giannis over Nwora, but, you know, they're both toss-ups. And I guarantee, I'm not going to say I guarantee. Uh, I would imagine that Jeff Teague doesn't even play in this one. And we see a little bit more of a guy like Sam Merrill, the rookie, 3K. Not a great point-per-minute guy, but if he's playing 30-plus minutes at 3K, he's a guy that we could have interest in. Bottom line, I think I'm going to get a lot of my value from this Milwaukee team, and I'm hoping that we don't have the news. That way we get that ownership to be significantly low because I just don't imagine that these starters play. Yeah, agreed. It's just one of those where dart throw after dart throw on the Milwaukee Bucks, and I just feel like there'll just be so many of these 3K guys able to hit value for them, so you'll have a number of opportunities. But, yeah, no one in particular that I'm absolutely targeting as far as the Bucks are concerned, but definitely keeping an eye out on. All right. On the Chicago side of the ball, uh, these guys, I feel like they're they're not – they're they're playing. They have to. Um, it's important game for them, but I just don't love them. If it's you know, if we're getting a, a a second unit Milwaukee team, do we see the starters for Chicago play significant minutes? I don't really know. Vucevic coming in at under 10k in this matchup, I would absolutely smash. I love this matchup for him. I love the price tag for him. Everything about it, I like. It's just where do we go? Where do we draw the line with some of these other studs? We we talked about some of these high priced guys that we'd rather spend up on. So I just don't know if I end up on Vooch, especially knowing that that center position is probably going to be loaded with value. The other guy you want to take a look at might be Pat Will coming off of a big game. He said it in the post-game media, uh, the post-game media that he's not used to being aggressive. That's not his type of game, but that's what this Bulls team needs from him. That's what he'll do. So I imagine that they continue to you know, ask him to play a little bit more aggressive towards this, I want to say the end of the season, last game of the regular season. <laughs> Uh, at 3,500, I could see taking a stab at him, but it also feels like it's a chasing kind of performance. Yeah, then, I mean, Patrick Williams is one side. The other one I'm looking at is uh, Markin in itself. Uh, it just comes down to him getting his minutes on an uptick as far as the last three, four games are concerned. At his price tag, it's hard to see him not hit at least 20 as far as DK points are concerned. So I'd be looking at him as a guy who's been shooting better from the outside. A lot of his value comes through that hitting at about 56% over his last three games, about three threes, or actually four and a half threes a game. So definitely something that uh, you want to keep an eye out on, and especially if uh, you do see Vooch and these guys play less minutes, as I personally expect, I would see Larry Markkinen as a good spot at 3,600. All righty. We'll keep it moving then. Two games left. LA Clippers traveling to OKC. They are taking on the Thunder. Clippers, Amir Coffey has been ruled out. DeMarcus Cousins, Terrence Mann, both questionable for OKC. Lou Dort, Shea Gildas-Alexander, Mike Muscala ruled out while Ty Jerome is questionable. We saw a lot of these guys sit out for the Clippers in their last game. Um, but who knows? <laughs> who knows, man? It's the last day of the end of the season. It's against the worst team in the NBA that's been probably facing the most 30-point blowouts out of any other team I've seen in the past 10 years. But who knows? Um, <laughs> these guys are coming in at such a low price tag. Kawhi Leonard at 82, Paul George. If they play, great, fantastic. There's no way this game stays in, stays close enough for me to have too much interest in them. If it did at this price tag, I obviously would. I'd love to smash them in. Uh, outside of those two guys, though, you know, who are the guys that we can expect to see if this game does get out of hand? It would be weird to say, but I think we see Yogi Ferrell. Uh, 3600 and this would be a, journey, a tournament gpp type play because it is one of the later games we might not have the situation in the news surrounding all of this but yogi Ferrell is a guy that they just signed not too long ago to a contract and i imagine that they want to get a little bit of run out of this guy towards the end of the season reggie jackson is somebody who firmly entrenched into their playoff rotation so if it comes down to just simply garbage time they might opt to play Farrell over your reggie jackson so that's kind of where i'm looking yeah, and, and the it. only outside of that only other guy I'm potentially looking at is Luke Kennard as well. Just one of those 41 minutes in the last game, they just want him to be in some sort of a shooting rhythm going into the postseason, and they like to play him into those minutes. So 
that's one other spot. But as you said, those prices, as as attractive as they are, this is one of those games where it's just like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Don't trust any of the, the Clippers rotation, given that OKC is likely not even going to keep it to 20. We have every team playing. It's like it's if you <laughs> if you can be risk adverse in some spots, it's, it's probably better. And that's what this is going to come down to on sites like this. It's not necessarily having the highest scoring lineup. Don't worry necessarily about building the winning lineup. Just do your best to not build a losing lineup, and you will probably cash. There's going to be a lot of zeros in a lot of people's lineups. Uh, we'll slide over to the other side of the ball on OKC. This team's been playing for nothing the entire season, so I, I assume we see a similar rotation that we're used to. Darius Baisley at 6,300. This dude hasn't been able to buy a shot over the last two games. He shot 426 over those two games. If This seems like it's a decent get-right game against garbage-time teams, but how high is the ceiling? How high is the floor? The floor can be pretty low, as we just saw. The ceiling's probably floating around 40 to 45, but I feel more comfortable saying we get 30 to 35 out of him when he's playing well. 6,300 doesn't leave too much room. I'm going to keep him in my player pool. Do I end up playing a ton of shares of him? I'll be honest, probably not. I probably don't even end up with any of him. And then we have to keep an eye on some of these minimum salary guys on this team that started playing some decent minutes. Charlie Brown just signed a – it feels crazy saying Charlie Brown. I can't help but think of the peanuts. Uh, just signed a multi-contract with the team on Saturday. He's 3K. He played 21 minutes in that last one. I expect him to see probably similar minutes. Same thing with guys like Jalen Hoare, Jerome Robinson. These guys will play. It's just such a toss-up for this team, and I don't have confidence in just about any one of these guys playing more than 30 minutes. Yeah, exactly. That's it's pretty much that. It's one of those where I have a feeling some no-name's going to come up and drop uh, 50 on it, and that's going to be the winning lineup overall. But as you said, it's about uh, picking a lineup that won't lose rather than necessarily looking for the best one. So I'll be staying away from OKC as well, maybe a little bit of Darius Baisley just because of you know, his consistency overall, even though he's been shooting absolutely terribly. But yeah, outside of that, not really interested in OKC either. Last game of the night, Dallas Mavericks traveling to Minnesota taking on the Timberwolves in this one. And uh, I think I alluded to this game before. I don't know if you knew this about me, Harris. I am a Dallas Mavericks fan. Oh. Uh, Maxi Kleber's doubtful. J.J. Redick has been ruled out. No injury report for the Timberwolves. Second half of a back-to-back for them. For Dallas, Luka Doncic. I love him. 10-3. I'm playing him. That's it. I'll pass it over to you. What do you got for this Dallas team? Yeah, it really just comes down to the fact that Minnesota, outside of all of these other teams, actually play their guys consistent minutes regardless of how bad it is. So that leaves room for a potential situation in which Doncic can actually do something to hit his value on there. But really, uh, the only guy that I was consistently looking at as far as my player pool was concerned was Jalen Brunson, who I expect uh, to be able to get decent burn consistently. And at his price point has always been one of those that have done pretty well for me. So at 4,200, a guy who often plays... Uh, down the stretch, especially if the game happens to be even slightly close, we'll likely be able to crush that value. But uh, obviously you as a Mavericks fan would be able to know if there's any big, uh, <laughs> big cheap values coming through. But really Brunson's the only guy I'm looking at outside of the obviously Doncic pick. Yeah, and, and Doncic hasn't played well in this in this matchup so far this season. It's just he's he's got that upside. It, there's no doubting it. And it's actually a depressed salary for Doncic. A 10-3 is a guy that's probably floating around that 10-7 range for most of the season, 10-8, and even touching 11 for most of the season. So it's all those reasons. I feel comfort, comfortable in his minutes. I feel comfortable in the matchup. We talked about a lot of situations where we're not as comfortable and talking about a lot of these studs. We're not playing anybody from Philly. We're not playing anybody from Brooklyn. We're going to touch that Denver-Portland game. We're going to have shares. But outside of that, we haven't really touched on any guys that are actually worth spending up on. And that's the biggest thing is if we have this value, if we have all this 3K value, yeah, you can go and try to hit on some of these 8,500 guys and, you know, it could be a ceiling-type performance where you get 45 out of them. Um, but if we have the value, the floor of Doncic is generally around 45 points. So it's just spend it. You know, don't leave. It's not one of those slates where leaving 900 on the table to fade Doncic is, is probably going to be worth it, in my opinion, is what I'm getting at. If you have the money, spend it. Uh, if you're opting to go to some other spots, if you're playing Jokic and you don't want to spend up on Doncic, you want to go a little bit more balanced, I, I get that approach, too. I, I fade. I, I completely warrant the fade in there. And if you want to just go to Towns on the other side of the ball instead of Doncic, I wouldn't mind that as well. Uh, there's some options and things that you could do, but just this doesn't feel like one of those slates where you want to leave a bunch of money on the table. We have the studs that we know the studs that are going to play. It's probably going to be it's probably going to be Cat. It's probably going to be Doncic. It's probably going to be Lillard. It's probably going to be Jokic. I would do my best to get at least two of those guys in my lineups if possible. Uh, on the other side of the ball, like I said, Cat 90, uh, 99 absolutely in play. Dallas, the one thing that they've been bad against has been opposing centers. The second half of the season has been a complete turnaround for them defensively. But it's been mostly against wings and guards. So for those reasons, I probably won't be playing D'Angelo Russell, and I will opt to go more towards Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards at 7,700. I never get this dude right, but it seems like he's right more than he's wrong. So if you want to play him at 77, no fault. Um, I just I just 
feel like I get him on those 30-point nights. That's it. I get him 30 <laughs> DK points no matter when I play him. And nights I don't play him, he goes off for 52. Uh, that's it, though, for me. I'll be looking at those two guys for the most part. And if you wanted to take stabs at Ricky Rubio at 55, I wouldn't fault you. But with D'Angelo Russell playing well, his minutes are starting to dip down. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And Anthony Edwards, I'm probably a little bit more high on him than a lot of other people are. Again, it's similar to almost like the R.J. Barrett situation for him, where more often than not, just because of his uh, his value, his upside, he often finds himself in my lineups. I think he'll probably find himself in at least a couple of mine today as well, just because I love the uh, shot volume that he always gets. And even if he happens to hit... You know, 40 to 42 percent of those shots he'll often get into that value standpoint. So pretty happy to be able to go ahead and take him. He's had a couple of good games against the Mavericks so far. And if he can even get anywhere close to that 41 and a half average that he's been getting, he should be pretty good for what his price point is currently. Boom. And that rounds us out. An hour and four minutes for 15 games, man. I think we uh, <laughs> I think we were on cruise control towards that second half, but that's OK. I think a lot of that is it's going to be tough to do without the news available. But we did the best that we could for you guys, and hopefully hopefully we take home some tournaments. And I'm feeling good about this slate, both of them. Uh, but if you guys have a moment and you'd like to follow us on Twitter, highly suggest you do follow Harris. Uh, you can get this content and all of his questions or his answers to his questions readily available for you with just a shot of a message or a tweet. So we'll give him a follow. Harris, let the good people know where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on Twitter. It's uh, my old gamer tag for everything, so it's at hack underscore devil, H-A-K underscore devil. That's who you can find me on there. Definitely out to answer any questions on there. Definitely reach out to me there. And as always, the great thing about these kind of big slates is that if you come up with a good lineup, it's likely not to have much overlap. So go with your gut, stick with what you think has been working out well for you, and uh, fingers crossed that we have a good one to end the season. Absolutely. I like the little tidbit, too. Got to. Got to got to make sure that you're watching this as well keep an eye on all the news 15 games there's a lot going on like we said focus on building a non-losing lineup as opposed to building a winning lineup and you will probably see yourself cashing in the green at the end of the night you can find me at mike apatra m-i-k-e-a-p-o-t-r-i-a guys give us a thumbs up subscribe five stars rate review wherever you listen to the podcast whether it's Stitcher, spotify iHeartRadio. we appreciate it. it means a lot to us allows us to see the feedback how we're doing and how we can get better So thank you guys for doing that. This has been an amazing season. Loving doing this, adding to the team. We're growing day by day. It feels like we've been just scattered all over the place this season. But as it's winding down, getting ready to shift gears into this this playoff berth and some of these playing games, it's going to be fun to do. So glad to have you aboard, Harris. Really looking forward to doing some more shows with you. Harris will be on. As often, hey, if, if he's, I'm going to throw it out there on the air just to put you on the pressure, man. <laughs> You're welcome to join me on any Sunday show for the rest of the season. I'd love to have you on uh, as long as it fits your schedule. But thank you guys for listening. Hopefully we get this combo back again. We will see you guys, not tomorrow, but for that first playing game. Take care. Let's go crush some tournaments. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.